Hello America. If you're looking for a roadmap to financial health and smart investing, remember, money meets at the intersection of Mulholland and Cooperstock. After your family and your health, your money and your investments should be number three on your life top 10 list. I am Mark Cooperstock and along with my partner, Stephen Mulholland, a CFA charter holder and CFP, are the principals of Mulholland and Cooperstock Asset Management. Our firm is a registered investment advisor based in Los Angeles with one goal in mind, to provide thoughtful, generational, and tax-efficient investment advice while keeping a sharp eye on the economy and the markets. So come along. Join us on this journey as we navigate the superhighway of financial news and global markets amidst the daily traffic of forecasters, speculators, and their conjecture. You have arrived. Remember, money meets at the intersection of Mulholland and Cooperstock. Along with engineer Griffin the Booth, let's welcome my partner, Stephen Mulholland. Steve, where are we going today? Uh, hey, Mark, thanks for the intro. Uh, it's really hard to follow you with that incredible DJ voice, uh, but I'll do my best. Um, and before we get too far, uh, I just want to, we, we have Griff with us today. So how you doing, Griff? I'm doing pretty good, thank you. What's the latest in high school these days? Not much, just the usual. Lots of chemistry. <laughs> Lots of chemistry, awesome. Um, are you watching Breaking Bad while you're taking the chemistry? I started it and then I, I just had to dedicate more time to studying chemistry than watching chemistry. <laughs> you know, Griff, I, I don't know if it's just because you're, you know, you're talking to us, but every time if I ask if you're having fun, the answer is always you're busy with school. So I'm sure you're making your parents proud. <laughs> yeah. And, and before we get into the podcast, uh, we were, we were just chatting uh, uh, before, we, before Mark pushed the record button. We were talking about the upcoming Roblox IPO. Are you excited? Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty interesting. Cause like, like we were talking about, my age group is kind of beyond the Roblox age. But I think it's going to be interesting to see like, how they try to expand the, the age group of kids that play. Well, no, I, I know you didn't give up video games. So when you're not playing Roblox, what are you playing? Um, usually me and my friends just play Minecraft for old time's sake. <laughs> and I believe Mark, uh, your son also enjoys Minecraft. Oh yeah. He, uh, he migrated from Roblox to Minecraft and Among Us. So he and speaks a language. He's, he's nine. He speaks a language. I have no idea of what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he, talks, he talks about mods and pods and skins and servers. And I just look at him like, huh? Yeah, so so Griff and, and your son Mark basically, uh, uh, um, Mark your son uh, collectively, you guys both highlight the real challenge for Roblox. So uh, while, while kids under eighteen in America spend two and a half hours with Roblox a day, uh, they really seem to struggle uh, with keeping users as as they get older. So uh, Griff, when you're not in school and helping us do podcasts, when we get time for equity research, I look forward to digging into this one with you. Yeah, me too. Okay, so Mark, uh, what, what, what topic did you, uh, are we going to talk about today? Well, we really want to talk about, uh, from our client's point of view, what they can do to protect themselves when they are contemplating hiring a new advisor, uh, whether it's a registered investment advisor, such as our firm is, or if they're dealing with one of the major wirehouses on Wall Street, um, one of the old line firms. And there are a number of vehicles and options they have. Uh, available because you just don't know. If you don't know somebody or it's not coming from a really trusted, valuable uh, refer referral source, 
you're not really sure who you're going to be doing business with and giving your money to. Perfect. And uh, I'm sure other than the topics of golf, bonds, and your son, th this may be the topic you're most comfortable talking about. Well, yeah. And I think it's one of the most important. Uh, again, like we say in the intro, you know, after your family and your health, money should be number three on your life top 10 list. And, uh, you know, a big part of that is who are you giving control of your money to? So there have been a lot of horror stories over the years and decades. Uh, and unfortunately, we probably haven't heard the last of them. And if you know where to look for these, for these, these, these horrible tales, uh, they occur every day. Every day right. people, get, people get taken advantage of. Well, and let's list the, the, the positives real quick, Mark. Um, I, I'm of the opinion, and it, you could say it's biased, uh, but, but, I don't, but I think it's true that uh, everyone should have uh, some kind of financial advisor, that everyone could benefit from that. Do you agree, Mark? Oh, 100%. 100%. You know, you know the, old, the, old, the old line was, uh, you know, you, you don't perform surgery on yourself, right? <laughs> uh, you, you, you don't represent yourself in court unless you're an attorney and a litigator. Uh, and, and it should be the same for managing your money. You really want to make sure you're dealing with a professional, someone with, you know, experience, uh, who, who, who has, has a proven track record um, and is really acting as a fiduciary meaning that they're acting with your best interest uh, at heart and not theirs, which is might be their wallet. Yeah, uh, uh, well said, Mark. And uh, yeah, it, it's interesting um, as, as I deal with more, as we deal with more and more individuals and help them with their finances, uh, it's pretty incredible that one decision, whether it has to do with social security or incentive stock options for a private company or understanding the tax code around trading, it's pretty incredible that uh, making a good decision on one financial topic can have a, a huge impact on someone's financial life. Yeah, and, and we hear the stories every day. You know, people refer to us and, you know, on the surface, uh, you know, it may appear that they're in great shape and they're just looking for a little advice and you start to dig down a little bit, you peel that onion away. And it's really amazing, some really basic uh, rudimentary mistakes that people can make and often make. And it's not because they're stupid, right? It's just because it's not their profession. They don't live and breathe it um, like we do, for example. D does your wife enjoy hearing about finance as much as mine does? Oh, yeah. She, she lives for it. <laughs> okay. So I think we're in agreement um, that most people should have an advisor. Uh, one of the roadblocks, as you mentioned, Mark, uh, is finding the right person. Uh, we live in a world where the internet's at your fingertips. It's really easy to look up a name online. Uh, but but typically, we tend to go with someone that's a direct referral, and it, for good reason, right? If, if you have an advisor uh, where you don't know the whole picture about that person and uh, um, they ha you don't have an established trust with them, uh, it, it can be very difficult to have a, have a good working relationship. And you know, you, a, a, to use your analogies about doctors and lawyers, when someone's going to open up their personal finances to someone, I mean, that's that's an incredibly personal thing to do, and you're implicitly putting a lot of trust in the other person, uh, right, Mark? No, absolutely. Uh, you know, look, you mentioned the internet is at everybody's fingertips. You know, many of these larger firms, which are made, and and they all have you know thousands and thousands and thousands of 
know, stockbrokers or advisors working for them, you know, they have the benefit of having billion-dollar marketing budgets. And that's great on one hand. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great way for them to promote themselves. However, it can be a little misleading. And, you know, you, you look at an ad on television or on the, an Internet ad pops up or you're on Facebook um, or Instagram and it pops up. And, you know, it only shows you, you know, kind of the, the perfect world scenario. So, you know, give, our, give your money to us and, you know, we will lead you down the path to, you know, riches. Um, nothing is guaranteed in this world. Uh, we don't guarantee results. Guarantee is a no-no word in our industry. Uh, Advisors who use it and get caught by the regulators can pay big fines or get thrown out of the business for doing so. Um, you have to realize it's, it's a lot of, of common sense, hard work, um, and if somebody, you know, promises you something that, that just appears to be, you know, too good to be true, um, generally it's not a real thing. Um, and you really should run away as fast as you can. Okay, no. So, so on that segue, you, you're you're getting close to our uh, the topic we're going to dive in today on, which is uh, how to select the right advisor that that uh, uh, is going to deliver what he represents, um, and uh, that you'll have a positive relationship uh, with. So, uh, without further ado, Mark, if you permit me, I would love to tell a slightly humorous but also sad story uh, that helps highlight the kind of due diligence people should do when selecting an advisor. Um, the, we would love to help uh, everyone, but we have limited time and resources and we purposefully are keeping our client roster small so we can give every client personal attention. So when we cannot take a client, we still want to help them when we can. And, and I think Mark, if I, uh, we would love to give some advice to them on how to pick a great advisor like ourselves. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, and there, there are, I, I know you want to tell this story, and, and, and after you do, uh, I'm going to give our listeners uh, a, a website uh, to go to that will basically give them uh, the nuts and bolts uh, on the advisor, the firm, et cetera, and what they need to look for and how to, how to access it. Perfect. Okay. So I read this story in the, in the local paper. Unfortunately, this is the story of a bad actor who lives in Carlsbad uh, near me uh, and, and where our former firm was, um, it, the city of Carlsbad that is. So I read this story, Mark, that an advisor misappropriated $2.2 million from his clients, including taking money from a client's account to buy a Camaro that he later got bored with and tried to sell back to the very client he stole the money from. And when I, I kept reading the article, and what really bothered me was that this individual had two decades of violations at previous firms where he also took advantage of clients. So I read this article, I got very upset. Uh, I sent it to you, I called you. The humorous part of it is that the guy used the money to buy a Camaro. I don't know why I find that funny. I don't know if you do, Mark. But, um, you know, you think if a guy stole 2.2 million, he might buy like a Bentley, right? Or a Rolls Royce or at least a Mercedes Benz, right? <laughs> at least, right? So yeah. I, uh, the Camaro was the humorous part of the story for me. But when I read the article, I thought, wow, this guy has two decades of a paper trail of industry violations and stealing money from clients. And I guarantee 
that the clients he signed up at his new advisor had no idea. And here's the rub, and I want you to talk about it, Mark, as our chief compliance officer and with your uh, compliance credentials. In the United States, when it comes to the client-advisor relationship, it's largely a caveat emptor relationship, buyer beware, uh, you have to do your homework, and most people are just not equipped uh, with the financial understanding to properly vet an advisor. But the tool, one of the tools you're gonna tell us about today uh, is a very simple way and a very baseline due diligence that anyone can perform on an advisor. So, Mark, uh, what is that tool? So, uh, everybody should, should write down this web address, and it's for FINRA, okay, which formerly was known as NASD, which was the National Association of Security Dealers. And it is really the overarching regulatory agency that governs uh, the rules, regulations, and compliance for not only investment firms, uh, but the individuals who work for those firms. And there's a lot of different terms. There's brokers, there's financial advisors. Um, some may refer to themselves as you know, stockbrokers still, that's the old term. Um, however, if you go to FINRA, which is F-I-N-R-A.org, on the top right part of the page, there's something called Broker Check. And you click on that, and it brings up a couple of options. And what I recommend to everybody uh, who has a financial advisor or is considering a, a, a change or a new financial advisor is to simply go to that website, click on Broker Check, and type in the name of the broker. Uh, you can list also city or state they live in. And basically, it will bring up their records with, with FINRA. And included in those records are what licenses they hold, okay, how long they've held them, all of the firms they've worked for, okay, and most importantly, if there are any disciplinary actions, also referred to as disclosures. And that can be something as simple as uh, a complaint filed with FINRA by a client um, that, you know, trades were done without, their, without authorization or the type of trading was done inappropriately. It will include any fines or settlements that were, that were uh, arrived at. It'll also show you if your broker uh, has been disciplined, had his license suspended, uh, and why. Um, further, after you, you read through that preliminary report, you can click on another tab there that'll take you to the SEC, and it will get you a really full detail. You can actually see um, the, the letters uh, generated by the SEC or FINRA or any other regulatory agency, for that matter, uh, against that advisor and or firm. Uh, and you can read through it. And honestly, some of it, sometimes it's very enlightening. Um, I recommend everybody do it. For, for our clients listening, please punch in our name. Type in Steve's name and my name. Uh, and, and we're happy to have you do so. We have clean records. Um, and, and we're proud of that. Uh, you know, we, we act ethically and, and honestly, and, and, and we take our role as a fiduciary very seriously. A lot of people out there don't and they look at it as an opportunity to take advantage of people and to just enrich themselves. So that, I mean, literally it, it, within this website, um, FINRA licenses more than 3,500 investment firms uh, in the country, in the U.S., 625,000 brokers, okay? And they monitor and make sure that they are complying with all the rules and regulations uh, that exist. 
So uh, again, it's FINRA, F-I-N-R-A.org. Um, and I encourage everybody to take a look at that. Secondarily, if you're dealing with um, somebody other than you know, a major wirehouse firm, uh, uh, a boutique firm or a smaller uh, registered investment advisor, uh, you can go to the, your, to the state secretary, the, the secretary of state's website for that particular state. If you're in New York, go to the New York's secretary of state. If you're in California, go to the secretary of state's website for the state of California. Everybody is licensed either by the SEC or if they're smaller or more boutique type, they're licensed by individual states. And you also can pull up information there um, about uh, their, their records. Not as detailed as FINRA, but it's, it's information. And it's easy to do. And you can do it on your phone. Uh, and I just encourage everybody to do a little bit of research, a little due diligence, because like we've said earlier, you're handing your money over to somebody you trust that they are going to do the right thing and right by you, um, and it, you you can't be too careful uh, when it comes to this. Yeah, so uh, the, 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 uh, well said, Mark. Uh, that was great, and I should add, I, I checked you out on BrokerCheck, and you you indeed were clean. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so so uh, the Camaro man uh, or Mister Camaro, uh, as soon as I finished the article. I went and punched his name, which we won't say on this uh, podcast, but I punched in his name and I found a plethora of violations across his career. So I'm willing to wager that um, his unsuspecting clients and the client he stole the money for to buy the Camaro uh, didn't know about this website, uh, wasn't able to do the check and uh, had no idea of his history. So this website really could have avoided not just... um, not just lost money, not just time with lawyers for the lawsuit to get the money back, but a lot of stress and heartache. So, uh, Mark, uh, I, I don't know if you'll, um, ho- hopefully you won't be upset with this, but in addition to the website, uh, I would like to offer any of our listeners, if you have an advisor, a prospective advisor that you would like us to vet for you, check on the website, check their credentials, you know, give them a report card. Uh, I'm feeling generous. Uh, if they send an email to us, uh, we'd be happy to do that. Uh, Mark, what's what's our info email address? Yeah, well, that's info at mk-am.com. Right, and I think it's intimidating. You know, we're in the industry. We've been in it for so long, and we take our job seriously. Uh, we, we can we can sniff out uh, where someone is on the spectrum from crook to uh, high quality pretty quickly, but obviously it can be a bit onerous uh, for someone who's a doctor, or a lawyer, a tech worker, or not in finance. So uh, if that's, does that sound okay, Mark, if we make that offer on the podcast? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, it's a language that, that you and I, you know, live in and understand. So uh, no, we'd be happy to do that. Perfect. And then, and then you said a key word um, earlier that I, I would love to uh, ex- have you expand upon, which was fiduciary. Uh, the, the fiduciary rule did not go into effect yet. Uh, right now, it's sort of held in abeyance. Uh, it, 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 the fiduciary rule, uh, it generally is the idea that uh, people in the money business have to put their clients first. Uh, you and I are fiduciaries, I don't know, about 18 different ways. But can you talk a little bit more about what a fiduciary is and who are the, some of the actors in our industry that are not acting as fiduciaries and who are? Yeah, sure. Well, a fiduciary simply is somebody acting, doing the right thing, okay? Uh, if someone sits on the board of directors of a nonprofit organization, 
they have a fiduciary obligation to that organization to A, protect and guard the money of that organization, and to make sure that organization is abiding by rules and regulations. It's no different um, for a fiduciary in our business. Essentially what it means is that we are expected, we're held at a, to a higher standard, we are expected to put our clients' best interests first. What does that mean? That means that if we have choice of, let's say, two very like investments, strategies, okay, that we can employ for a client, and strategy A would pay us a higher commission, strategy B would pay us a lower commission or no commission, or fees would be generated as such, um, we have the obligation to provide the best investment, make the best choice for our clients. So we can't put, we can't consider what our remuneration or what we benefit from it. So our obligation is to put our clients first from, from that point of view, and also understanding what our clients' individual needs and, and long-term goals are to make sure that it is appropriate for them. So we essentially insert ourselves into, into our clients' shoes, if you will, and say, what's the best thing for them? And that's how we are expected to act. Um, and if you're worth your weight in, in our industry, that's how you behave. And there are many advisors in our industry who do live up to the fiduciary standard. Unfortunately, there are many who do not. That's why we have such big regulatory uh, oversight agencies. And, and Mark, so are, are there people who call themselves advisors who do not uh, have to be, uh, ha do not have to abide by the fiduciary standard? There are. You're, you're getting into some nomenclature and differences um, that probably would put everybody to sleep. Let's just say this. Um, you want to believe that even if somebody by regulation uh, is not obligated to act as a fiduciary. Um, certain financial, certain, certain aspects of the financial industry, people are not required to live up to that standard. However, uh, I think everybody should, just as a matter of practice, do that. Okay, sure. Well, uh, Mark, you're being very kind. There are some very large advisory firms, uh, including sort of the McDonald's of the advisory business, uh, that has fought very hard so their advisors do not have to be held to the fiduciary standard. And that means uh, they can uh, charge secret commissions on insurance products and for estate planning referrals, uh, which obviously true fiduciaries and ourselves would never take. So you're being very kind. Uh, there's a great John Oliver episode on HBO about who can call themselves advisors and who's bound to the fiduciary standard. Um, and I just want to point out to listeners that uh, just because someone calls themselves an advisor, and that's not the same as having an advisory registered with the state of California or the SEC, uh, and it does not necessarily mean that that advisor is bound uh, to put your interest first. Would you agree with that, Mark? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that 100%. That's well, well said, well summarized. Yeah, I, I, I would much rather hurt the feelings of a non-fiduciary advisor uh, and, and give it to our listeners straight. Right, I'd much rather err on that side. Look, th that's the goal. We have we have discussions like this every day with clients, right, Steve? Um, you know, if someone says, "Hey, my goal is to, you know, I want to make a boatload of money and retire in three years." And sometimes, you know, they're in a position where three years down the road, we can we can accomplish that for them, right, with, with certain assumptions. Um, but if we can't, we're straight up and we tell them. Um, we don't, you know, we can't create money out of thin air. It's all through hard work. Um, with a lot of work and, and uh, research, 
uh, and you you can only do what you can do. You 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 can't recreate you know the markets. Uh, you know, you know interest rates today are near zero, and someone says, oh, I've got a really super safe investment for you, and it's paying you you know eight percent, ten percent, twelve percent with zero risk. They're full of it. Um, it comes back to you know if it seems too good to be true, it generally doesn't exist. It, it, it's not true. Sure, sure. And, and Mark, you're, you're speaking very eloquently about sort of uh, false promises of advisors, but th this very central idea, right, that you have to put your clients before yourself. I mean, I think it comes so naturally for you and for me uh, and probably for most of our clients and prospects that uh, it, it can be a bit striking um, to people to learn that that's, that's actually not a law that advisors aren't required to do that uh, at the national level. But um, you've taught me a lot about compliance and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you are a registered investment advisor with the state of California, you are held to the fiduciary standard. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Perfect. So uh, if, if we were making a checklist for people, right, sort of someone gives you a name of an advisor, here's a simple, very short post-it note, note card checklist of uh, how to vet the advisor, I would say probably the first best step is to go on BrokerCheck. Yeah, go to FINRA.org, go into BrokerCheck, and then you'll see their complete licensing. And if there is any disciplinary or disclosure uh, history, you'll see it. You'll see every firm they work for. And if they're telling you something different um, or representing themselves to be something that they're not licensed to do or to be, then you know you have a problem and you don't want to do business with that individual. Perfect. And then the second point on the list, Mark, I would say is uh, see see if they're a uh, register if they if they are affiliated with or are registered RIA, and if that's with the state of California, the SEC, uh, can they find out that information on that link as well? Uh, yeah, it'll tell them where they're licensed. Um, there's one further step you can take um, when you're in the SEC site. There's something called the ADV, which is the annual. Uh, report required by all firms to file uh, with FINRA, okay? And it basically is a summary of your firm's practice, how much, how many assets you manage, how many clients you have, the kind of a breakdown. doesn't give names, but by account size. It talks about your business practice, what you offer, how you charge your fees, what your fees are. Uh, and then there's a second part called part two, uh, which is sometimes referred to as the brochure. And that goes into a description of the individuals working at the firm. And that will give their work history. Uh, it, they'll give their credential history if someone purports themselves to be a CFA, such as you are, Stephen, and it's not listed there. Uh, that might be a question you might want to ask because that's something to be proud of. You would list it. Um, there, are, you know, there are attorneys who are financial advisors. Or there are CPAs who are financial advisors. And the rule of thumb is you, list, you, you are required to list your credentials. You also have to list any details um, on lawsuits and, again, these disclosure items. And let me just add one thing. Because, because somebody got sued and settled with them doesn't necessarily mean that person was a bad advisor, okay? It may have been a business decision. However, if you see multiple settlements or you see large settlements, um, and large, you know, anything north of, I don't know, $20,000, $10,000, um, you have to stop and ask yourself why. Uh, and maybe there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for it. But 
you owe it to yourself and to your hard-earned money um, to, to question it and, and kind of pause before you move forward. Oh, perfect. So if we were, so going back to the short checklist, uh, one, go on broker check, look for any violations. Uh, two, uh, see if the advisor is affiliated with a, uh, an RIA and how they're registered. Again, if it's in the state of California, they're held to the fiduciary rule, great. Three, look at their credentials. If they're um, a CFA certified, charter financial analyst, it's a very rigorous test. And the CFA Institute adopted the fiduciary standard uh, so long ago that I don't know when they did. Uh, so uh, they've upheld the fiduciary standard uh, way before uh, uh, it would become a lot, still not. Uh, see if they're CF, uh, CFP certified, the Certified Financial Planner uh, certification, the, the CFP board actually did not adopt a, f a fiduciary standard until this year. Uh, it was very controversial. Uh, many large organizations, brokerage organizations, uh, tried to block them from adopting a fiduciary standard. Um, so as you pointed out, Mark, I'm, I'm both CFA and CFP certified, and both those organizations hold the fiduciary standard as does being registered uh, California advisor. So that's three ways we're fiduciary certified. So on the checklist, broker check, look for violations, um, the, uh, see uh, what the state of their firm is, if they're a registered advisor uh, in, in a place like California. Three, what kind of credentials they have. And then I would say after doing those three things, Mark, a client would be pretty well informed um, going into the meeting. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you you want to make sure that you know whoever you're you're dealing with and meeting with is exactly as they present themselves to be. I mean, look, do a Google check, do a Google search in someone's name, and 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 see if what comes up on on the internet um, matches. You know, if it doesn't, you know, ask them about it. You know, uh, I mean, it's that simple. It's your money. You have the right to ask any question you want. Um, of your financial advisor. And if they can't answer your question, they're not willing to answer your question, you're dealing with the wrong person. Oh, that, no, perfect. And I'm going to throw one more uh, surprise at you, Mark, or one more bonus item. Uh, my brother-in-law uh, secured the largest, I believe it's the largest arbitration uh, paid in the industry. Uh, he won an 8.6 million arbitration award against Morgan Stanley uh, for some of their advisors uh, who... He successfully argued and won that they were committing financial elder abuse, turning their accounts. So I think one important point, too, is just, you know, there have been fraudulent advisors at Morgan Stanley, Vanguard, uh, and just being affiliated with the brand name uh, doesn't mean that you shouldn't do your homework. Uh, isn't that right, Mark? Yeah, no, that's true. And you bring up a really good point. I know we're getting a little long here, but this is a really good point. Uh, if you have uh, parents or seniors in your family who are dealing with somebody or suddenly they tell you they're changing their financial advisor, I think you owe it to yourself and to them to check it out on their behalf. Um, seniors are particularly, um, I don't want to say easy targets, but they're targeted on a, on a regular basis. Uh, and, and being perhaps not as comfortable on the internet as, as some others might be, um, they may not know or even how to, to check on, on this you know, proposed uh, person they're gonna work with. So 
You know, look out for your friends and family as well. Ask the name. What, who are they working with? What's the name? What's the name of the firm? And go to FINRA.org and, and you can bring it up. Look, the last thing I'll, I'll add is that, you know, maybe perhaps the most famous uh, swindler uh, of our era was a guy named Bernie Madoff. And for 17 or 18, 19 years, he fooled thousands and thousands of people and stole billions and billions of dollars. And, you know, some really smart people in, in, in our world uh, were taken advantage of. And if, if nothing comes out of that other than, you know, people now being weary, okay, a little bit up front, uh, then that's the good thing that came out of it. And that people will look a little deeper and ask themselves a the question, is this for real? Um, is this person, this man or woman, or this firm, everything they present themselves to be? So if you have uh, more questions, we're happy to answer uh, any and all inquiries about this. Right, and if you've seen any, if, if you do uncover anything fishy when looking at you know, uh, grandma or grandpa's account. Um, uh, again, we'd be happy to take a look. And I happen to know, have someone in the family uh, who's been very successful about uh, restoring some justice. So, you know, it's funny, Mark, I, I, I was formerly on the institutional side of the investment business, you know, working for foundations, uh, endowments, pension plans, and, and I had no clue about the regulatory uh, aspects of the advisory business, broker check, and I worked in the, uh, managing a fund in New York for an advisor for, for seven years, and I'd never heard a broker check because it would have never crossed my mind to do something shady, right? Or I, I just, it, it, what, you're actually the first person that told me about this tool. So I imagine if I was in the industry for almost 20 years before I even learned how to vet an advisor that the average person has uh, no idea. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. So. Again, we're, we're happy to answer any other questions on it. Um, and, uh, you know, before we sign off here, we'll give our email address again. But, um, no, it, it's, it's an important topic. It may not be the most fascinating to listen to, um, but it's really important. And, again, you're dealing with your money. So why take any chances? Absolutely. So, Mark, um, as you said, we are running a little long, but did you, did you have anything else um, uh, related to this topic you wanted to share with our listeners? No, I think we've covered it uh, pretty thoroughly. Um, but if anybody does have any questions, uh, we can be reached at info, I-N-F-O, at mk-am.com. Uh, feel free to visit our website, which is www.mk-am.com. Um, remember, you know, the opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and their guests. You know, nothing discussed today should be considered investment advice. And please consult your own financial advisor check them out, and tax advisor whenever considering any investment. Most important, be careful with your money.